the second of his name, what'd you think? Uh, <laughs> Did you like this episode? I loved it. I had the time of my life watching this episode. I didn't, I want, loved I didn't this episode. want it to end. Me neither. It, it felt like it went by way too fast. I was having such a good time with this episode. I didn't even want to take notes. I wanted to just watch. There was It was 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10? Well, I mean, sitting here right now, <laughs> 10 out of 10. I had a really good time. This episode had everything in it that we want to see. We got some great politicking. Mm-hmm. We got some romance. We got some partying. We got some bannermen racing around. We got some dragons. We got some war. What else are you looking for in a TV show? And a really weird, bad dream at the end of the episode, too. So it was all the visceral people-to-people stuff that mm-hmm. you're talking about right there. And then at the same time, a, a weird mix of something, like, not really trippy, but just just quiet and very particular, very early in this TV show. It was very weird. And I feel like especially because they're fighting such a weird foe, We've got crab feeder kind of like cranking his neck around a little bit and standing in the shadows as everything happens around us. And Damon freaks out after he gets the letter from Viserys and essentially runs on a suicide mission. But is somehow, we don't quite see exactly how, successful. Did you expect those people to be there to back him up? Lanor and Corlys and their infantry? I guess partially in the back of my mind, sure, because it felt like such a, like I said, suicide mission for Damon just to run out there. That was my impression, too. I thought to myself, either there's people in the shadows or we saw a crab feeder looking around a lot. He was thinking the same thing. Where's the dragon? Mm-hmm. Where's or the dragon where's the other people? Or were they archers on the ridgeline? Totally. And so I kind of was doing the same thing watching because he just walked out and then kneels with his sword in his hand and then immediately pulls out his dagger. It was very cool. And I know we were Rough. really looking forward to I was seeing like, David what, fight. What are you going to do in that moment? Okay, so you give your sword over. Obviously, they have a lot of men hiding in the caves. So you, you trade your sword to them and then they let you live. Are you going to join their side? I was imagining him walking up to the crab feeder and being like, honestly, I'm on all sides now. I'm <laughs> I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> yeah, they're not respecting me the right way. I'm not feeling it. And I want to do something completely different. But like that was really the, that would be the only option other than what actually happened. What else could he have done? I'm so, not sure. That part kind of confused me, but I was along for the ride pretty much for the whole thing. I was confused why he reacted that way initially after he got the note from Viserys because Viserys is sending him good news of, hey, we got your back. And he mm. pounds the messenger to death, right? Not to death, but he hurts he him pretty badly. Him. He's hitting he him pretty hard in the face him. over and over with he a metal He hits him pretty helmet. hard and then yeah. he goes into the thing. And they're and like, so, just stop. No one fights him back because he's, he's above that, right. that kind of judgment. Also, he can just land at the meeting late and walk right up to the front. Halfway through, I was wondering, did he expect that Viserys' people were closer than... And he was just mad they hadn't made it yet? No, they were close enough to kind of save him from what he was about to go do. Mm. I was almost half expecting that to kind of swoop through, but I like it better that, my gosh... He tried to beat them to it. Lainor Valerian yeah. up on that, up on Sea Smoke, I was going to say, that, <laughs> that dragon having the time of his life up there. Yeah, it was like watching, I know you haven't seen the original Star Wars movies, but it was like watching like one of the first uh, fighter pilot scenes 
of mm-hmm. the, rebe- the rebel force like yeah. flying outside the Death Star would cut between the cockpits of the of their uh, their craft, their individual fighter planes, and that was kind of the vibe with him on the dragon. When we get to see more of them, I'm wondering if they're going to lean into that. Mm-hmm. I'm almost afraid to talk about it because it's like if we talk about it and we say, "Yeah, that would that." Overall, I loved it. And when you cut to those those close-ups of them whooping and shouting on the dragon, I'm like, yeah, that was fun because everything else was really good. But when there's 14 dragons, I'm wondering if it's going to be like a dogfight or something like that. Sure, especially with the setting underneath. You were talking about how it was – I don't remember the phrase that you used, but it was a very moody and creepy, the whole scene from – uh, it on felt the ground. Like watching something from a, a David Lynch TV show mm-hmm. or a David Lynch movie. There was something recently from uh, when they brought Twin Peaks back. It was, uh, I forget which number the episode was, but now it's become legendary. Something as weird as this. And it had a very similar environment because it was very smoky as well. I don't know. Go into the details because I know you haven't seen any of it yet. But basically, there was uh, no dialogue, and it was a very flat color palette, and it was just very strange blocking. Mm-hmm. This wasn't really like that, but when you compare it to the Game of Thrones universe, the kind of stuff that we normally see in, in this series, it, it's sort of... I mean, you could say that it was like that because it was just weird enough to be something that we don't normally see. Totally. You get flashes of it in Hard Home when the Four Horsemen are on their own snowy ridge line. But in this one, it was uh, a bad guy that I don't think that any of us really take all the way serious because he's only three episodes in. But that kind of lends to the narrative weight of it. That's the the reason why we're seeing Viserys and him pitted opposite of each other. It's when we were talking about doing the read-through of Fire and Blood, how the Sepstones did feel like an exercise. And Viserys would say, oh, while Damon's out playing war. Because it was just far enough away, and they knew they had had enough actual weight behind them. The realm had been doing so well post Jaehaerys that this wasn't something that they would have to actually actually worry about. And even the the people behind the triarchy themselves, the the ones that are in the free cities, the ones that have governance around them, not just the ones that could get profit off of this ugly situation, they're still basically friends with the Iron Throne. Right, right. This is just, you know, like the outskirts of everyone's outskirts fighting, and that's why it sucks for Damon because he's inside of the outskirts, and that's, like, not good enough for him. It's kind of like Rhaenyra's situation mm-hmm. where it's like she was in that spot before, not the same spot as Allison, but just in a different spot. I would argue in the same spot. She's really in the same place, I think, but obviously... Not everyone sees it that way. But both of them put themselves in that spot, I would argue, partially. Damon and Rhaenyra. Damon and Rhaenyra. Damon wanted, well, in the TV show, we have Corliss really inviting him in and saying, let's do this. Let's prove ourselves. But Yeah, he's like, now that you're knocked out, for mm-hmm. real, you did something bad. Come you, join me. I need your help. Slash, this could be cool. That sucks thought, for Corliss. He's in that that position too, though. I know, but you know, Corliss has so many many things on the line for him with with that battle. And I thought it was so funny and telling at the very beginning of the episode. We get some of that eerie footage of Valerian ships are burning, crab feeders nailing guys to the oh yeah s- to stakes while he's screaming, "You're a traitor!" or whatever. I thought that was such a cool My scene prince. as the crab slowly kind of starts to crawl up his body, and we get some dragon action. Cut immediately to Aegon's B-Day party. And it's very, ah, what a cutie little baby. You know, everyone's like very smitten right. with this baby. Right. And it's like, that's what the drones in the Middle East, uh-huh. basically. <laughs> exactly. Which is terrible. Viserys gets this news, this like really urgent news. And he's like, 
It's been, they've been down there for three years. Give me a couple more days. It's my kid's birthday. We're going to hang. I mean, the whole attitude about the step zones is just really tied up very nicely. And like you were saying, let Damon play at war. He literally has just said it and forget it. I'm not even going to worry about it. I'm having a good time. Meanwhile, he Viser, or, um, Damon is fighting for his life. There's mutiny almost happening in in his camp. And yeah. so well, it was such a Well, you can understand when that's the way he shows up to meetings. Of course. If, if you show up to every meeting that way, there'd be some kind of mutiny eventually. <laughs> sure. It was a very cool juxtaposition, I felt like. Yeah, no, I, I agree. That is neat. This this is one of those episodes that I'm gonna have to unpack, and I've just now um, we record these reaction episodes. I guess you could call it that. Right after we watch the episodes on Sunday night to get out the podcast quicker, and I was just glancing over my notes, and uh, they're indecipher they're indecipherable jumble of autocorrect and weird words, and uh, I feel like that's a good sign when an episode is uh, like this, you know. Mm-hmm. It's got so many different environments, and uh, there's this is such a limited cast of characters. I was thinking about that over the past week uh, because we were talking about how the Rogue Prince, the the previous episode of Hot D, felt like uh, a return to form for early Game of Thrones, and I was wondering how that would work for this TV show versus that one because there were such iconic characters established so early, people like Arya, Cersei, and they'd be in such separate locations by the second, the third episode, and. We hadn't really felt that sense of space in the second episode, but I felt like we really started to feel mm-hmm. it in this third one. I was like, they they really made the Kingswood feel far. I like to see that, that shot, that was background amazing. shot of, of King's Landing. Mm-hmm. It feels like that's the this is the kind of stuff that leads to the theme park. Whenever you squeeze it with with as much love as this, and like I said, I was worried that we didn't have enough characters to compare it to the beginning of GOT, but making someone like Kristen Cole work with and even further evolved Rainier all the way by episode three, really, it's just showing maturity, if anything. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we've got a lot to look forward to for the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. I really want to watch this episode again, mm-hmm. of like maybe two or three times before we do our midweek episode, because I just really want to remember all the different scenes, just scene upon scene upon scene, even the small things like Viserys and Allison by the, the fire together. I mean, even the small stuff like that has such weight to it there wasn't it, nothing was really a throwaway we finally got out of the small council episode one and two was so heavily focused on exactly what was happening in the red keep and more so in the small council i mean i would say 70 percent of the episode last week was conversations had at that table or between <laughs> people who were there and so to get out literally into some open <laughs> fresh air was such a nice change of pace we had everything from the Carriage is, is that a carriage? Carriage moments out to the, the carriage Kingswood. In my notes. Yeah. Um, Rhaenyra and Kristen wandering through the woods for yeah. literally twenty four hours. Uh-huh. The party and the whole scenes within the tent and outside the tent, like you said, such a great sense of space mm-hmm. building out the world. It gives it breathing room that I felt like maybe last episode was a little suffocating because they're kind of having these same convos in these same spots and it is tense but now we are able to kind of step back and see see a broader scope even though it's literally the same cast of characters that we had yeah like you said we're kind of hanging with the same people but i just felt like it felt small and they're still talking about the same stuff they're talking about the same stuff but it just the pacing and the breathability and the opportunity we had to see these other places was 
almost a relief to me. And I also, I was curious about, we jumped again forward pretty, at least two years, two plus years, because I guess they've been in the step zones for three and Agen's two. So three years we stepped forward in, in this last episode. And Whoa. so I felt like that was done pretty seamlessly yeah. without much of a hesitation. If anything, it's a relief. <laughs> Why would you say that? Well, because I feel like we have so much further to go. And uh-huh. the fact that they can just do a clean three-year jump like that between episode two and three feels like we are We have more stuff to unpack. Mm-hmm. feels like there's, there's more to show you. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel not really paranoid or hesitant about exploring more based off of what I've seen in this episode. Yeah, I totally agree. Just the, the way that, that you can go with Kristen Cole outside the camp like that and show me so much more of Westeros than the original series really did patient stuff not just the tight shot of a really interesting tree line in ireland um like really really patient interesting uh scenic establishing shots and uh just you know like patient dialogue and recreated events like the boar attack to uh i don't know evoke a sense of uh past game of thrones lore but at the same time uh give our characters now something to do why did it have a, to be a boar? Yeah, that was such Why did it have to be something scene. violent or dangerous? Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I think it makes them closer together. But I think the biggest point for us from that was to see that sort of Targaryen anger, maybe, or fierceness, or just in general, <laughs> just uh, bless you. Or just in general, like uh, Rhaenyra's current attitude with how her life's going. I was going to say. all that added together. More so in that direction. Yeah. When she crawls, yeah. not crawls, when she comes back into camp with dragging the board oh. behind her and everybody's look everyone is literally there's just a WTF look on every single person's face as she's she and Kristen come back into camp. It's been twenty four hours. She's covered in blood. They've got a boar being dragged behind them. That's how Jason Damon brings in Crab Feeder's body. Told, oh yeah, you're yeah. so right. Jason Lannister, L O L. He's looking at her <laughs> Giga just, Chad. I was gonna say Mega Chad. What the heck is happening? I just I thought the whole boar thing I thought was pretty interesting, but I felt like compared to Viserys and the stag, that whole through line was also oh, yeah. funny. There were so many funny Another moments thing in this they added episode. To really tie them into the environment mm-hmm. and each other. That's the way to go if you're going to be bringing a book like this. Like when you play Dungeons and Dragons, isn't it the best part when you're going from town to town and you're figuring out the way to get there? And there's interesting, interesting stuff and you're seeing the weird things that the people have named it. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that's what I like. That's the stuff you like. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with it. <laughs> I don't know. I'm but, just glad that they gave it to us because if it just jumped from room to room to room, it would feel like a, a, sh- a show that was completely on rails mm-hmm. on, in, in, a, in a set environment. And I don't know. And to have People stags, missed out from the late season, right, I think. Stags and boars out in the woods and makes you think of Robert Baratheon and his hunts I feel like and the whole them thing going had to be out in homage to it in some way to the first totally. season of Game of I loved that. I thought that was Me that, too. those are the kind of callbacks and it's not even necessarily a callback. It's just referencing the world in a very smart, creating like real a, way. a pattern of like uh, harmony. Mm-hmm. Viserys needing to kill that stack that was just that was some dark. shit. It was so dark and it was hilarious. It's like use this. There's spirit. a white one here and it's really mystical and magical yeah. and it means a lot. And then he gets there and they say, hmm, we couldn't get the one that white, you wanted. It's a big one, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's big and good. And then he's, you know, the, the stag's tied up. You all saw it. And 
he's being led to it. He's like, right here. Okay, yeah. now right here. Yeah. A little to the you left. You can do it. Do grace. Man, then he misses. And then he has to do it again. Those sounds. It was dark. It yeah. just, Viserys' whole vibe. We talked about this on our last episode. He plays such a f- good, fine line between being a complete idiot and totally understanding everything that's going on around him. Yeah. And I felt really bad for him in that moment because he's supposed to be the king and the king is supposed to be strong and powerful. And he had this totally weak setup for him right there. It was just good thing your girly wasn't watching. You know what I mean? Yeah. But that was such a funny moment. That Jason Lannister guy just <laughs> handing him his little special staff that he made him. I wonder if Jason carried it the whole way, the whole oh, way out for there. Sure. Didn't matter, like a messenger carry it. I hope he carried it himself. He's like, this is my gift to the king. That guy is hilarious. I think that the vibe I got from Viserys is less that he was not able to do what he was doing. It's just that he. It's not that he's dumb. It's just that he's bored of it at this point by now. And and maybe that's not the case. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's just because he was really drunk, or maybe it's because he's an asshole. But <laughs> he like when he was sitting up on the chair and uh Jason was coming at all to bring him the spear, he was just already like, Yeah. It wasn't he didn't have the vibe of I want to make this meeting go good too. He no, was just like all right. Because he didn't want to have, have a meeting at me? all. Well, and that's an understandable vibe too. And so that's pretty much the same thing when you go to kill the the sort of uh, narrative, the the end to the narrative of the weekend. It's mm-hmm. all got weird ceremony around it. It's like, okay, yeah. now the your men have hunted this thing, and now it's time for you to kill it. And it's all sort of ceremonial. It's all got a lot of imagery attached to it. And so this is what he's supposed to go do. And it's the same with his wine cup being so fancy and about everything about what he does be so fancy. It's holding up this idea of this monarchy and this power structure that keeps all of us in line in the way that where we can establish a society with economics and finances that actually make sense and some kind of civility where people aren't constantly highwaymen going from town to town. And Jaharis had just spent most of his life and they're still at this point working on the roads. Mm-hmm. And so this is literally part of that ceremony. It's like doing a meeting you don't want to have to do. It's basically what he had to go do. So I saw him as just annoyed and going through the motions and not being, I mean, the better version of that, I guess, depending on how you look at it, I think this all comes down to people's personal vibes. The way I see it is, I think the way that you're trying to get at, which is that why not just commit to it all the way and go stab it really well and at least put on some kind of an act for the rest of your men. You don't think that he can or he's just choosing not to do it? I don't think he can. But you agree that that would be the best thing to do in that case? Definitely, yeah. You think that's what Jaharis would do or he'd be a little little bored with having to go stab that thing too? No, I think he'd flex. Really? (laughs) Yeah, I think he'd do it. (laughs) But to your point, Viserys is telling Otto, he says he came, he's like, I don't, I didn't come here to be suffocated by politicking. Yeah. I came here to have a to hunt to have a good time, mm-hmm. and so like you're saying, all this pomp and circumstance could potentially. I saw it totally different. I saw that he just couldn't do it. You're saying he's just bored by the whole. Yeah, he seemed bored, but yeah. I, I don't. I wouldn't say that I don't think that he couldn't do it. I just don't think that it's something that he thinks he even has to do. It's just yeah. so removed from that 
perspective of applying himself. He's not really <laughs> applying himself to it at all. Why does that make you laugh? It's just funny because it's like, it's embarrassing. It's like he doesn't want to do it, but he also couldn't because it took him two times and the boar or the stag was being tied up. Oh, that is extra dark. The sound design in that was so good. It was so good. And the CGI good. was good. And it's just, it's just sad to see a little... uh not sure-footed animal struggle with people's weird sportsman intentions. You know what I really liked about it and something that I've just liked this whole season so far is that scene was very visceral without being bloody and gross. Mm-hmm. You know, I think sometimes when we think about things being visceral, they're being gory or bloody or a little bit more. That's what sex scenes are too, though. Yeah, it's yeah, like all yeah, natural yeah. stuff. Yeah, just like That's probably li- why the animals work. But a little bit more on the extreme side, I guess, like you said, with like a sex scene or with fighting. But it's I, like the fastest way there yeah, to exactly. connect us there. You have to do something really well while also getting close to the edge of cheese to make a white stag appearing on the hillside be so moving as it was. When I saw that, I was just like, you know what? Wow. Mm-hmm. This is this isn't even something about potential time travel or implications from a past villain or anything this is just beautiful and symbolic mm-hmm. I, I, I was so in yeah they they're able to make these very weighty like i said visceral human feeling moments without with just the sound design and with just the space that they put into the shots and so but we didn't like, like Rhaenyra and we didn't believe the little mini side quest that they've been doing that whole time and if it didn't match up so well with the uh uh reality of it showing up for her and not for her dad mm-hmm. and their whole company's weird little narrative that Otto was he tapping his fingers together like but it'd be even more beautiful if it right. it's almost as if the seven that was Jason who said it's almost as if the seven planned this day themselves <laughs> but if it wasn't all so perfect like that and they didn't execute it so technically well and we didn't like Rhaenyra so much already then it would have been like are we watching Something from like the new Lord of the Rings show that isn't quite like landing with everyone, but sure. people I think get it. They like, really feel something when they're seeing it. Here, totally. The way that it's done. You when you bring up Otto and Jason and Allison and the stag being for Aegon, it makes me think about because it's so clearly, I mean, it shows up for Rhaenyra. That's like such a clear sign to the watcher of Yeah. Hey, she's got the blessing. And so I'm really looking forward to because again in this episode Allison still seems very much trying to be on Rhaenyra's side. That was a, a surprise. Rhaenyra's the bad guy in in that scenario. Allison tries to come to her. Allison defends her to her dad, to everybody, to her to Allison's own dad and to Viserys. Mm-hmm. She's the one that everybody bowed to. We swore that we would listen to her. Yeah. So what are you guys talking about? She's still very hard on Rhaenyra's side. And so Clearly, as a viewer, we're supposed to be on Rhaenyra's side as well because Otto is such the bad guy. And And because she's so cool. And she's so cool. And she's the most Daenerys esque of them all. And just because the small child's a boy doesn't Mm -hmm. mean that he should be the next in line. She's way older. Clearly, it's just that's the completely unfair, the cartoony unfair thing about it. Right. So, are we going to ever turn on Allison? Is kind of my question. That's, I think, what you just talked about is another little layer of marmalade that we weren't ready for outside of the historical adaptation from Fire and Blood. That little layer of marmalade where it's like we, it already been complicated and we're like, it's already going to be really 
just knowing from last week going into this week, we knew it'd be spicy seeing her in the Queen's wearing the she's the Queen and she's married to her friend's dad. We already knew that was going to be spicy, but now behind the scenes, Allison is still supporting Rhaenyra. Even when Rhaenyra is clearly not interested in having any sort of relationship with her. But also, most importantly, I think, to someone like Otto. Mm -hmm. And it's so, at least in the chronology, we're two years in, which that almost seems ridiculous. But since it's true, that means that she's really on her side so far. And so that's another little layer of spice. It's like, geez, knowing the meltdown without spoiling anything, knowing the how the relationship is in the future it's just gonna keep getting harder and harder i think this episode really made me feel like that's why i was talking about the game of thrones cast of characters other earlier versus this cast of characters because i was wondering if we'd ever feel like stuff that happened to these guys was really important Mm -hmm. yeah really important and i felt like in this episode they made it possible for us to feel that way Mm -hmm. where I was like, okay, now they're spending so much time together. I'm really getting to know these people and we're seeing so much more of the relationships and it's just, there's just been more intimacy with each of these characters. And I would even be bothered if something happened to Otto, even uh, I forget the dude's first name, the, the, council member uh, strong on the small council i will never know that guy's name i forget his first name it's like alfred yeah it's something i will never know his name but uh (laughs) he's uh he's been such a dark horse these three episodes all the time yeah i just like his portrayal and Mm -hmm. i'm even liking him and Mm -hmm. i think that before we know it that that those marmalade sauces are just going to make what was already good even worse it's like Mm -hmm. it's all been planned to be good and to take time and to slowly build and the rest of the season is going to keep making us like them more while they're also digging themselves in strangely deeper holes Mm -hmm. for us to be twisted about it especially viserys because viserys is hilarious viserys Mm -hmm. made me laugh out loud multiple times this episode he's so funny and to watch him struggle already with this decision and I think he too is going to be a major heartbreak character because so much is going to be happening around him and he's going to be powerless to fix it. Either he's not able to or he won't or for uh, many reasons that we talked about when we read this chapter, he is such a good-natured and hilarious and funny and strange guy. And so we are starting to see the seeds of that being planted as they're in the carriage and he can't get the two of them. He can't get Allison and Rhaenyra to talk to each other and all the fights that he has with Rhaenyra and they blow up in front of everyone. <laughs> he is. The, those are those traveling scenes that we mm-hmm. saw from Fire and Blood, the the tents on the road where yeah. not the small folk, but compared to them, the small folk where when the kingdom's in a, a time of peace, that the, the wars within the, social hierarchy and they can see if even just someone that came with the king's party is like oh is your daughter a little annoyed today that's the drama and those are cracks yeah. in the kingdom mm-hmm. that those people can use and take advantage of because they're also really rich and have a lot of real estate and men and they're all planning based on whatever the smallest flaw or insecurity that comes from these people they're at the top but even valerians have dragons so the t- this time is so much more interesting than um where we started uh, in this world, as as far as uh, if you're, if you're interested in things like infrastructure, like just the way that we continue to be able to fight bad guys with dragons, and then the main Targaryens aren't even there, you're like, oh, okay. It's nuts. Yeah, it's fun to me. It's it's really fun. I I completely agree, and I liked the strength that 
the um what was the name of the Valerian brother who was trying to Vagon. Vagon trying to say what is going on. I loved Corliss and Lenore's staunch support of Damon. Yeah, he's like, this is our best chance. Did yeah. you see the opening scene? Did I see the opening scene? They asked Vagon. Like, Did you see the opening scene to this episode? <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Were you there Oof. for that? Yeah. <laughs> that was such a cool way to start the show. It really was very, very, very cool. I just, the whole crab thing is creepy and it's, it's nice. It's such a strange it's, thing to attach to. Yeah. Like I was saying, going from that into Egan's B Day party. It's just the two things. Right, but you and people like you on the internet have been just going all crabby. Like, you guys love the idea of crabs. It's so funny because there's so many great <laughs> memes with crabs holding knives there out are, there. Yeah. There's a lot. There's many videos about it. And so it's just funny. It's one of those, like, things you couldn't guess. They're making it like, no, people are going to love these crabs. Uh-huh, yeah, exactly. Um, Put them on his face. I, just think add an, I think they added that extra crab within the past week, probably, in CGI. They're like, <laughs> it's, like, like someone came in with charts and graphs. Like, the crabs are actually performing really well on the internet. They like the crab feeder. It's so interesting because the crab feeder is lasting an episode and a half max. And he's he dead. And he hasn't said a word yet. No, he, no, he is dead. Yeah, you're right. So yeah, he, he lasted. Was, yeah, he's what, gone. Episode, I guess they mentioned him at the very beginning of episode one, though. But yeah, yeah, yeah. When uh, right, right, right. Corliss laid down the map. It was like That's this true. is going to be something. He's a great character. I think that anytime you have these mystical bad guys that can't say anything, because mm-hmm. I feel like so many times when people open their mouths, they're less scary. <laughs> sure. We're used he to just, it by now. Yeah, he just. I think the the mysticism of him. I kind of wish that we had seen Damon cut him down because he we see him walk into the cave where he's in and then we see him come out just completely covered in blood carrying the top half or dragging the top half of of crab feeder i would have loved to kind of see how that fight went down i guess we saw enough with everything that was happening outside but that one-on-one battle and but we did get to see damon's prowess somebody tweeted so many of you have already tweeted hilarious owns that i can't wait to read but somebody tweeted how damon made um Rick and Stark. <laughs> like, oh, I know. Like I was thinking loser. that too. I was thinking that too. <laughs> yeah. He was dodging all those yes. arrows. <laughs> it was one of those things where I was totally in. I was. I knew that that's a kind of silly thing for it to be one man against an army. But the waves that so the, the way that those waves came in was uh-huh. like a. They do a, a video game type. I forget what it's called, uh, but it's like a popular game type where bad guys swarm you, and you and a couple of friends can fight and strategize against bad guys. Well. In a story, in some kind of weird cartoon or some kind of fairy tale from long ago, there would be a, a hero in this situation where the bad guy doesn't say a word and he just clicks his head in certain dire- certain directions and he'll feed waves and waves of bad guys onto you until you finally come mm-hmm. to him. And we literally just got that with weird ass music. We did, with yeah. the one to two episode already weird Damon. It's just it keeps getting weirder with him. Mm-hmm. When they were doing the... Uh, the hilltop uh, arrival of Damon when uh, Corliss was speaking with the rest of his men and Lenore and uh, the mutiny was about to happen with Vagon. That music got so weird and so stylized. I was it like, really where did. could they possibly be going with this weird scene, this strange scene to be in Game of Thrones? Obviously, the same people aren't running it, but seeing these moves inside of it are just so ballsy when you think about the hard nature of like the the permanent weight of what the show's mm-hmm. aesthetic normally feels like. And then it's like, oh, it makes sense. He just basically almost beat a good guy to death with a helmet. Mm-hmm. And it's such a weird way to it's do it. It's a great departure because, well, 
I think it's fun and interesting. It almost reminded me of some early 2000s music video oh, with whoa. the music like in the background. Mars Volta or uh-huh. something. <laughs> and it's a, a zoom in and of of Damon's face. He's kind of smirking. Like there's many things. Cross dissolve. He's smirking and doing nothing. Two and then he's smirking. Expressions. And the wind is blowing. And then he goes and out of nowhere, out of left field, seemingly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> knocks this guy to the ground with his helm. I wrote literally what? And so from there, yeah, I thought that, I mean, it was, it was so cool. I was living yeah, for it. They've really stylized everything about him to make him real. It's just, you know, the Damon Targaryen we all created in our heads. Mm-hmm. It's forcing people that even watch this show casually to be like, sums up with that guy. Yeah. It's so <laughs> bold. And I, I think that especially when we're using, reusing the Game of Thrones theme song, in order able to kind of play with that creativity in the episode itself it is fun I, th- I found myself thinking multiple times when we were watching this thank you to the universe for making it to where we are seeing shows like this and we had just seen lord of the rings we've seen we're seeing shows like this be the biggest shows that are out right now and we've already had a couple moments of it in pop culture, but still, that it's still happening this year. Our Lord, twenty twenty two. That's actually good. I, Aren't you so grateful? That I am. But even if it wasn't good, I'd be like, at least it's happening. But at least, <laughs> at least there's swords on my TV. <laughs> right, exactly. But it just keeps growing and growing. It keeps changing. The Caraxes mm-hmm. at the beginning of this episode, snaking out their little foxholes. Uh-huh. I I was thinking, and I was as I was watching it, and I, I was trying to check myself because I then started thinking of other scenes with dragons. But I was thinking when I was watching that scene with Caraxes that that was my favorite dragon scene in Game of Thrones. Third really? Bed. I was just really? like, this is just his little wormy neck. So creepy. And, his, and it seemed like he was such a part of the scene and yeah. caring about their little mission. It's just so much more specific even than someone like Drogon. It's he, that personality he, that we had hoped for yeah, and wished for yeah. from these animals. Yeah. And it makes it. more sense that it, it would be depicted more when even the Valerians have dragons. Mm-hmm. There's so there's so much more variety, and we're further into the, you know, the public's perception of us being able to, I guess, go more earnestly into stories. I'm thinking of Mad Men being a a huge acceleration on something like I Love Lucy, where there's a married couple at home and they have kids. Well, I guess I don't think they have kids in I I Love Lucy ever, but either way, you see. Don Draper and his wife at home in their suburban house, and you see that eventually change over the course of all those seasons. That's a pretty raw depiction of stuff that happens in people's lives, especially from a an era that's usually leave it to Beaver depicted to mm-hmm. us very above board, right? And then obviously the fantasy environment has always had stuff like blood and violence and magic and weird earnest and cheesy meanings and of the past couple decades it's really been amped up with a lot of our more like modern sensibilities and fun stuff that we like like nudity and sex and so it's definitely changed and um we have a lot of weird expectations but to make it like this to make it feel uh so like organic like from the from the pages from the source material i'm in dudes me too Big time. I'm in. Me too. Majorly. In a way that I wasn't sure I was going to be able to be. It's hard to pull off, I bet. It really, yes. It's got to be. Like, really hard. Especially week by week by week to do it again and again. We didn't just get one good episode. When you think about the scale of the task that you're trying to do, trying to 
to do what we just said that they're doing a pretty good job of now to try to, if that's your goal you're setting out to do, which I don't know if anyone would actually make that their goal and, and be successful because it's such a lofty idea. Um, and to, to be able to do it, to you would think that they would have to have a story that's better than just like a part of Fire and Blood. That it would have to be like a, its own new thing. Um, so I just think it's really hats off to the people making it. They really understand. They're they're sort of getting what a fantasy adaptation should look like in 2022. It doesn't feel old. Mm. It's, it still feels like they're evolving in that environment, like that Game of Thrones early season environment. With a better budget. And... With a better budget, yeah. I mean, there's, there was a lot more action and a, a lot larger scale of what would cost money than what you would see in a new show. I mean, we expected that because it's the successor to Game of Thrones. But to to do it in a fun and, and weird way while you're doing that, I'm relieved. Me too. I'm relieved because they very could have e- very easily could have just based on used the same patterns that they used yeah. in season seven, season eight, and kind of wrote off that momentum, I guess you could say. But I agree, the stylized choices on everything. Is making this such a fun watch, and I we haven't watched any Game of Thrones episodes since House of the Dragon came on, so I'd be curious to kind of revisit that in light of and in the spirit of House of the Dragon, because yeah, I mean season three, not season three, <laughs> maybe someday we'll get there. <laughs> episode three, that was a great episode of it Game of really Thrones. It was really good. Yeah. That was a, a top tier episode of Game of Thrones. So it was episode one. I mean, I, episode two had this its merits. This is my favorite but, one of the three of them by far. It is a great episode of Game of Thrones. It was a great episode of TV. And there's weird stuff in it. Mm-hmm. And there's, you know. I, the Damon stuff is weird, It man. is. It is. But then there's such homely stuff where the king is drunk and he's like, we had a drunk king in the first season <laughs> of Game of Thrones. But he's like Robert's, literally in the corner just drinking. <laughs> <laughs> the wine was apparently really good. Mm-hmm. Robert's uh, cartoonish in his drunkenness. But not Bring us the ble- oh yeah, we uh-huh. told him there's a breastplate stretcher, or he's talking about making the eight, and uh, you know he's I think most human with Ned in a couple moments, but even he sort of like starts to go away from that for a while. Viserys is pretty much straight up with everyone. Remember that moment in the last episode when and uh, Otto was like, "I think this calls for a meeting of the small council," and he's like, "Isn't this basically what this right, is?" Right, right. To be the mad, yelling, embarrassing your family Targaryen king at the tent. With all these other no- noble women and men around, ready to spread rumors about the situation, and to also be the prophetic—I saw it. Some it was such a great line. He was said, uh, uh, "Most of us Targaryens are dragon riders." And some of us are dreamers. some of us, yeah. And then he's like, "That's pretty sweet. It's hard to be Targaryen. It's even cooler to be a dragon rider." But some of us, even even fewer than us, are dreamers. To to be that guy and this guy. And the the laughing guy, and the guy that dealt with Jason as he came in and gave gave yeah. him that stupid yeah. staff, and yeah. he said, kind of kept him in line a little. Yeah. I, he played every part so well. Yeah, he kept him in line actually a little extra hard, but I guess you got to keep Lannisters. It in was check. kind of awesome. He's the king, and so he can drive I know, a hard line. Jeez, why so not? I guess so he's driving a hard line <laughs> while he's also drinking his mind out, <laughs> which I thought was really fun. You know, he's just there to have a good time and to hang. He doesn't want to work, but he's he's kind of handling the situation the best he can. I loved, loved, loved the line where um, he's talking to – I don't know who he's talking to. 
He's lamenting about how he's powerless about Rhaenyra. I, I think he was talking to the strong guy. Yeah, he was. Alfred Strong. Yeah, Alfredo or Alfred whatever Strong. And he's, he does have slightly curly hair. He's okay. lamenting over the fact that he is able to be a pretty decent king, but he can't keep a hold of a 17-year-old daughter. And he and the strong guy said, talks about how Jaehaerys ruled over 70 years of that peace. That was such a great moment. While his children drove him to I, complete like, madness. Actually, I say that you're actually on par for yeah, the course. He for said, it's tradition, king. your grace. Yeah, that's so nice. I thought that was such a great callback, and that was it was so nice. A nice thing to say. A, because like, we're chill. just coming fresh off of all those Jaehaerys chapters, and his kids were pretty nutso. I mean, his kids were doing some oh, they were crazy. insane things. Yeah. They had car accidents, and there was no car. Right. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> like, what do you... How could, how could you go so fast to break your neck? Really? It was such a nice thing to say to Viserys, because he's clearly... It weighs on him so deeply. And I loved how Allison gave him some very good advice yeah. multiple yeah. times throughout this episode. That's why it's so hard. Allison ruled in this episode. Allison ruled, ruled. in this episode. And I was <laughs> dunking ruled. on her before the episode. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Just ready to. Yeah, you tweeted something. You said, like, hey, Allison's going to change. She in can two finally hours. change her clothes. <laughs> I was, I'm ready to dunk on her, you know? I'm ready to be Team Renair all the way. But yeah. she is. When she was talking to Viserys about sending help to the Stepstones, and she says, take your... I don't think her dad take, told her that. No, she did it all on her own. Yep. She's like, take everything out of it. Is it good for the realm it's, or not? That's easy. Let's go binary. Brilliant. Yeah. When they're talking by the fire about um, it, the dreams, and Viserys yeah. is drunk and rambling about uh-huh. all these different kinds of things, and Allison is just putting on... Or not putting on... What am I saying? Allison is ba- basically saying... You know, you made a choice. Yeah. Like, it is what it is. Everything's good. Um, I just felt like she is such a... She's strong and she's smart. And her dad isn't putting her up to those things. Her dad is snaking around in the background. And she's just being a good wife. Yeah, there's no argument that she's... Uh, we were confused of where her intentions were, especially after the last episode. Mm-hmm. Like, whether or not... We were clearly just seeing, as you would see in a POV chapter, what Rhaenyra sees... And you would just see her maybe not being fully into the vibe that you're trying to give her, friend to friend, or maybe more. Um, so just biding your time, kind of, and waiting to see if you're all on the same page eventually, but at least just being close to each other always. And then maybe taking, Allison maybe taking advantage of that and taking advantage of Viserys mm-hmm. and everyone else, maybe. And then also being maybe a victim of Otto, those weird tells. Obviously, she was nervous. She was struggling with a lot of things. But in this episode, those, like you said, and like I said, we were, we've just been talking to each other. Uh, and as we just saw, there was a couple of times where she went a certain way on her own. And that's what we're supposed to believe because it seemed real. There's no other scenes or surprises unless there's a big reveal later that mm-hmm. she really has been a mastermind. But and she's if, been keeping the peace, not just going exactly. her own way. So if we're uh-huh. to completely believe what seems like it, it's canon as far as the show is concerned, it's that Allison's, to make it really simple, if you're team cool guy, you like Rhaenyra, Allison's still team cool guy, even yeah. though it sucks. Even though it sucks. Because, I mean, if anything, they're trying to marry Rhaenyra off right now, too. So it's the same situation. Maybe Allison, obviously the other high towers have larger goals. But if everyone really does have to play at court, like Rainey said in the last episode, maybe Allison's just doing the job that she has to do. Right. And maybe a little bit happier about it because she cut right to the front of the line. You can't blame her for being a little mysterious about it. But like I said, it's that extra sauce 
that's going to make even more difficulty for people to choose their side. Imagine her like having to sleep with Viserys on the king. Oh, I've thought about it. <laughs> What's wrong with it? Viserys is just kind of... Ugh, you, you know, like right? Viserys, <laughs> I get it. <laughs> totally. So she's she's powerful on her own accord, or at least so, she's not bad too. She's not bad. She's de- she's, she's making she's policy. very genuine. She she's the reason why the stepstones is getting reinforcements. Maybe a little too late, but and it's such a stark contrast from her dad, who continuously <laughs> in this episode is just trying to wheel and deal He's behind the grosser and grosser. He really is. What were you going to say? Aging deal? isn't going well for him. He's just wheeling scenes. and dealing behind the scenes to get his grandkid He's up like on the throne. Fingers. Yeah, he, talking to anybody who listen. I thought he was more like Tywin, but pretty much everyone on the internet and the whole community thinks he's more like Littlefinger. Somebody called him in our own last episode Middlefinger. I know. Yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> that was so good. And so Otto was just really being set up to be the clear bad guy here. I think so. it's going to be sad. It seems like he doesn't know how cringe he is. Based off way he was talking about the stag, it's like if he knew how cringe he was, maybe he's putting it on just to I make think he is. maybe an extra layer of put on with this. But I if he, he if he isn't, imagine not knowing how dumb the stag he thought the the white heart was. He just ate up how with the power. Yeah, he's ate up with the power of of everything. So <sighs> I get it. I mean, the two high towers. I forget the the older relative's name. The guy who's really the the head of their house at the time. Um. Their conversation at that hunt just really adds, mm-hmm. like, uh, no argument for what their goals are and how it. If you're a fan of the Targaryens, I don't know what you want. Obviously, you want Rhaenyra to succeed, but do you also like Alicent and this true born second coming of the Conqueror? Or are we just, are we keeping in context what? We've already seen court do to Rhaenyra and what it did to Rhaenys before her, how everything is the same. Do you want to see conflict and rebellion? Because that's what's probably going to happen if Rhaenyra gets her way. That's what it seems like. It already seems that way. So it's like, what what do you want? And that's one of the reasons why this is such a fun story because do we want everyone that we like to be okay or do we want someone that we know is more chill to get what they're owed? But even Rhaenyra doesn't couldn't answer that question for herself too, which I think adds to that interesting layer of everything because she's kind of self sabotaging a little bit at this point. It seems to me like she's been sulking away for the last couple of years, literally, while everything kind of happens around her. Yeah, and so us as the early early scenes, mm -hmm. the Godswood. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So us as listening to the same song over and over again. Oh God, literally her Uh lo-fi Godswood beats to study by. He just has to keep. (laughs) Sing it again, again. Um, for a second. I hoped like mushroom was gonna be like that was gonna be a mushroom almost. I know he wasn't a uh, now's singer. a good time. The clock's ticking, guys. Introduce mushroom. I know, I know he wasn't a singer, but I thought for almost a second, anyway. I bet he had a few songs. I'm sure he I bet did. mushroom busted it out a couple times. Rainier doesn't seem to know what she wants either because Viserys, in his own flawed way is trying to reach out to her and she just has this major chip on her shoulder she got pushed aside a little bit but he's trying to say to her we you're my guy still that was a surprise too it was such especially after the conversation he had with allison when he was talking about his dream and Aegon came into the mix and he wasn't expecting it but then he has this very frank discussion with rainier and he says for a while i was going back and forth but for real you're my you're the one and um, 
I wonder how that may change Rhaenyra's attitude going forward. But I'm like, why did it take so long to have that conversation? And why has Rhaenyra just been... Listen, I would have probably done the same thing. Like, I would have totally taken her route and just, like, you know, huffed away and be like, I'm just not going to be around. And everybody can see how that's going to go for them. But At least Raina went to Fair Isle, though. Right. Rhaenyra's just, you know. She's loyal. She stayed there. I guess loyal is not even the right word. She's just homely. She's just. Likes to be around home. Yeah. I don't she's know. She's not ugly. That's homely usually means ugly. Yeah, it does. She, she ain't ugly. Um. So I'll be curious to see if maybe that conversation that she had with her dad either kicks her into a little bit more of a safety net and feeling mm-hmm. like, well, maybe I can take a part. But also yeah. her dad was dismissing her. So there's so many layers to it. But so. he also sort of gave her kind of like a, what a, this is an idea of what a good parent would do. I don't know. They would give you the tools. You to can succeed. marry anyone you want. Well, okay. that I mean, that's <laughs> nice. When he said, I want he was saying to Otto, I want her to be happy. It's not all about me. Even if I can make her do something, that's. Not the kind of Targaryen tier, family tier generation I, we want to have. This is the cool one. I like my daughter. What makes you happy? The realm's delight. Yeah. He calls her. Yeah. It's only three episodes ago, but still, it feels so long ago. And so that's different. I hope that uh, she in this show stays on the same sort of unable to throw shade at her way she stayed you know she Seems kept true her, yeah she kept her discipline about her and that information if anything could i think keep her wanting to stay poised to be a good leader if the time came no embarrassing stories no weird things and i think eventually the marriage stuff is going to catch up to her and so that's going to be really weird to see adapted to see the fact that you have a really long-term plan but since you're a part of this royal family in the way that you are being directly the king's daughter it's about time to get married and i think that's why who eventually it is is like it's like the least cost of a of a sacrifice mm-hmm. to keep the whole thing going i thought Otto made such a hilarious oh yeah he was like just have her yeah, marry that Aiden. was an idea from the book though but the it way they presented idea. it was uh, was so it's like making fun of the fact that they do shit that way in right. such a modern way uh, I like that Viserys like the boy just turned two and then he like Aegon starts crying but then Rhaenyra wouldn't <laughs> oh, have yeah, to the marry the crazy face yeah. he makes just crying right. they he's cut like, to him and he's like, he's like flailing back but then Rhaenyra wouldn't have to marry anybody at all and yeah, she can kind of get her hilarious. way almost yeah. you know because she doesn't yeah. have to get married right now that's a good plan actually and Aegon is her exceptionalism baby that, that would have we'll been a great the plan because then she could have just done her own thing i mean that's like a solid it's actually a good plan 15 years before they have to do anything mm-hmm. so um but that's the whole scene was was so funny but yeah i think thinking about that in context of what she eventually is going to have to do Otto for once had a great idea that's what I'm saying. I think I don't know if he's like big bad guy. I think like it started out like when you first meet someone, you think there's more to it, and then you're like, wait a second. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> I think it might be that with Otto. Really? Honestly, I think it might. Well, then what's his whole? Which would he's be just, so real and so fun. He's just if that's trying what it to. Was. He's just that guy. Yeah. He's just Otto Hightower. Right. And Viserys can be bored with him. That's why he keeps him there because he's like, this guy's no threat. He's actually a dumbass. <laughs> and it's like he didn't know what was going on with Allison being put in front of him like of a course. Like bait. Of course. It's like the scene we saw them together in the same room. And he's like, uh, yeah, so you mm-hmm. can touch my daughter. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'll pick up the wine and the cheese. Uh, mm-hmm. See me out. Like, that's the ultimate punk. And like, he might 
keep him there because he's like the ultimate punk. I mean, he what he does with Otto with the I don't want to give spoilers, but how he comes back, you know, it's like he knew he had him wrapped around his finger the yeah. whole time. Anyway, I'll say it again. We've said it a million times. The relationships in this show are such a beautiful bonus to everything that's going on and the way that the actors are portraying those relationships. I mean, it's such a joy to watch them hanging with each other and to watch them figuring this stuff out together and trying to play. It just all feels so human and that's the thing that we loved about Game of Thrones and now that's the thing that we get to love about House of the Dragon. And so this episode just was a knockout in my opinion. I really liked it too. I'm glad you liked it. I'm glad I wasn't just like uh, feeling the vibes for this one. It was just fun. Were we some... in a better? I was like, are we going to be in a better mood <laughs> this week? Do we have a better dinner this time around? It's like are we more prepared. But it was some just fun. Some things are a um, you like them and you forgive the things you don't like. Yeah, you know it's. No need to anthropomorphize it. You get what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. You look past the bad. Mm-hmm. I think that we. I was afraid there's some stuff. You know, there's some there's some edgy stuff in there. There's choral Game of Thrones music in this during the episode, not during the credits. There's some bold bold decisions in this, and it can either. I mean, the 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 male guys showing up at the perfect time twice. Once in the middle of the uh, party, and once right in the middle of the uh, yeah the summit with the Valerians. Yeah. Um. So we can look past that kind of stuff and go, that's not season seven. <laughs> and we can just like choose to really like something, but I think we should look at all of it. And with just the glow of watching it for the first time, the little things that I could point at that just so perfectly lands that way, One, another one being I already talked about, the waves of enemies, of course it wouldn't work like that. But for some reason with Matt Smith and the way that they've... It's fantasy. Yeah, but, uh, but not just that. It's the way that they've... Um, for me, at least, it's it's the way that they've committed to shooting him and every moment that he's in being like that. Even not giving him the heroic sex scene that you would think that Damon Targaryen would hopefully wish that he had had based on the the angle of his, the dragons on top of his helm. They're very angry and aggressive. I completely get what you're saying, and I'm just grateful that they leaned in. They just totally leaned in and they hit the nail on the head with the, the fantasy, the human, the intrigue, the relationships the scene i mean just all of it i think so far like i said no notes i mean we could i think we could try to be nitpicky but we were nitpicky last episode for good reason and this episode was a stellar follow-up to that it made last week's episode make more sense and an impact in the grand scheme of things as we're like taking it slow into this big decision that now is very quickly unraveling. And I'm psyched out of my mind for next week's episode. I'm genuinely looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to the, next, the rest of the season really just based off of how it's turning out. We're having fun. We're yeah. having a good time. So. One thing I wanted to circle back to from the top of our conversation was you were asking about the letter that he received from Viserys mm-hmm. during that summit with the Valerians. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think that the reason why he was so mad is because he is doing something that he doesn't have to do. Fighting an enemy that can't really fight for himself. He's just really smart. He's like a sort of towny enemy in a far off place that's not really that important to any of the people that are leading. It's just, it's just like I said, skirmishes on the edge of the empire that is just keeping the business afloat. It's like we're the most violent and the least funded military efforts are happening and it's where the less amount of 
uh, human humane treating of your enemies happens because it's the most looked over. It's the less cared about thing. It means less. And Damon can't even do it on his own. And he really wanted to do it on his he own. He did. And he almost did. And and clearly he's capable of some kind of magical sorcery, at totally. least in the importance of a storage, just based on the way that he behaved in this episode, totally. which makes it really exciting. And like I said, it didn't land in the cheese category. They have sold me because they, they picked the right person to do it and they're making it look pretty cool to me. It was awesome. Yeah. It was so fun. I'm just glad. It seems I don't think we're alone in that either. I think everybody's having a good time and it could have so easily gone the other way. So but you, here we are. You want to do owns? I'm so ready to give my own. Let's go. Um, I'm going to give my own to Rainier and Kristen Cole's hang session. Not to the whole hang session. But they're having a conversation, and Rhaenyra says, my father's trying to sell me off to Jason Lannister. And Chris and Cole says, do you want me to kill him? <laughs> I thought that was such a great, that was such a great clip yeah. back. So my own to, to that moment. You want me to kill him? When I saw that, I became a Chris and Cole fan. Me too. I was like, okay. Now this story is going to be even more complicated and less straightforward. And mm-hmm. whenever what happens happens, it's going to be like, damn it. <laughs> damn it. Now I like Kristen Cole right now because you showed me who he really is. And, and what funny. will he become? <laughs> um, I had my own written down and I have it written down, but the text that I wrote underneath it, it autocorrected something I couldn't understand, but it was a, when Lady Redwine was eating that cake, someone oh, said something yes. mean to them, uh, to Lady Redwine. I didn't catch that and either. Then, Rhaenyra said something, because she, Lady Redwine was talking about how they're at war, yeah, and Viserys send, refuses to pay attention to it. Yeah, you need to, we're at war, you know we are, but it's time to go ahead and acknowledge what's actually happening. Uh-huh. Send some troops and nip this in the bud. And Rhaenyra was like, it's easy while you're sitting here eating cake. Was yeah. basically the gist of it. Uh-huh. And there was that little bulldog in the cake. And yeah. It really adds into perspective what the 1% are like, even in Westeros. Well, Allison's holding court with them. Yeah, that was great. If only she would have blood on her face for that moment. How I ridiculous. Know. I know, I know. 10 and 7, though. <laughs> blood on the face. But I, I have to give, that was a soft loan. That was not a real loan. My own goes to the moment with the stag, the white stag, the white heart. That was oh, just yes. come on, give me that fantasy weird, way Especially too much. After coming off of watching Lord dramatic, of the Rings. cheesy yeah. narrative on only episode three. What are you guys crazy? I think you just are. How she holds Kristen back from killing it. Yeah, no, no, don't. Do you think that they're trying to make her the new Danny and yes. sort of with all the prophetic stuff? I know that Viserys is talking about. I'm afraid I made the wrong choice. Maybe she could have been the Danny, and maybe something goes wrong, and we see just how tragic, how tragically it falls apart because she's not. That's what I was gonna say because it's so interesting in light of understanding where her story goes. It's so interesting to me that they are drawing such a hard line in the sand that she's seemingly this chosen one. Yeah. When I mean, we're trying really hard not to talk explicit spoilers for Fire and Blood because I know a lot of you haven't read it, but um. Her, you know, the story, there's a, clearly a divide. And when we read Fire and Blood, it very much seemed to me totally gray on both sides. I didn't necessarily feel like I wanted to pick a side. But watching the show, it seems at this point that Rainier is the clear, quote unquote, choice. Even though Allison isn't making any bad decisions, 
and she is on Team Rhaenyra as well. I think it's interesting that the show is leaning so heavily into this Rhaenyra vibe early on. It makes sense, though, because Millie Alcock rules. And so she's such a strong character that you can build a franchise around, basically. So I think that's a a great observation and a really interesting point about, well, then, what's going to happen in a couple of episodes when things start to fall apart for everybody involved. I hope it's not a mirror to what Danny might experience on her own. As yeah. the uh, as the uh, pressure builds for her to assume that place against the uh, the coming dread. It's so interesting, also understanding that George was able to write this story in the way that seeming a lot of us seem to see is the way he would have potentially wanted to write Game of Thrones. I know they're two different stories, but some of that more complex kind of prophecy ridden and humanly driven uh, uh, narrative. Well, Viserys keeps bringing it up. So we're definitely it's definitely not going to be just a little throwaway. It's not yeah. just icing for mystery like old Nan. We it's, saw it too in the preview for next week's episode, which we'll talk about later, but in the midweek episode. But we saw, again, Rhaenyra reading about the prince that was promised. Um, we've seen that clip before, but it's... It was in the preview. It was in the next week's episode. I'm assuming that that yeah, was they, just for episode. I had four. another clip where it was like what you can expect on this season. Oh, right was after it a the season first one? episode or right after the second? Yeah, and that's where we saw it the first time. But yeah. now I think this is meant to be for next episode. We were right barely on. watching that because we were getting ready to set up. So we'll talk about that more later. But um, like you said, very prophecy heavy. So um, listen to our. The, we do two episodes during the week for these, and um, we watch again, or in this case, hopefully a few times before we have a more deep conversation about all the specifics in the episode. And we also read out your listener owns, of which Hannah has pulled out her phone, and unless she's texting her mom, is probably retweeting. My mom did just text me, which is actually really funny. <laughs> did you watch it? That. She no, she that's not what she's about. <laughs> she's like, what could you possibly be doing on a Sunday night? Right. You miss church. No. <laughs> <laughs> Retweet owns. Uh, what was I saying? We re-owns. And uh, that's really it. We do a deeper dive on the episode, then we read all your feedback, sometimes emails too. So, so come join us. Come yeah. hang. You can find us on Twitter, on Instagram, by searching Game of Owns, or you can send us an email to contact at gameofowns.com. Thanks for listening, everyone. We're going to see you on the next episode this week. High five. Send us your owns.